order, order. Let's let's get this whole thing done and over with. I I have to go rest my fanny. Um, former Mayor Bledsoe, you are being charged on crimes of of general corruption by us, the revolution of the city. Do you have any words to defend yourself? This court has no jurisdiction to do anything to me. I am the lawful mayor of Hill Valley, and I demand to be let go immediately. I oh. will show mercy on all who comply. Oh, golly, Mayor. Uh, uh, I I understand that you're feeling a mite upset about the proceedings, but we did have a, a revolution that was successful, so uh, I'm afraid your laws are no good here. Uh, let's see what the jury says. Ah, uh, it looks like I'm the only juror left over here. My eyes really infected. My, the whole bench is covered with fluid, so I'm just gonna say that uh, he's probably guilty. I'm I'm sorry, Milo. The other jurors disagreed with my law, and so they had to be murdered. But thanks for judging in my favor. All right, Mayor. If you'll come right this way, we have a lovely guillotine set up with a picture of a bird and a duck, so that you can look at that before we send you straight to hell. No, sorry about the you language. Can't. You can't do this! No! You can't do this! You have no idea how bad it could be! You have no idea who I was keeping away from you! Your hey, crimes can you, can you restrain him, please? Right away, Bob. Oh. Oh, thank you. Alright. Uh, who do we have next? <laughs> Your lungs, our lungs, down in the valley where a chemical spill He's like he's surprisingly good at it just because he's surprisingly good at everything. Oh, he was born to rule. Absolutely. I mean, he. he I'm ruling with an iron butt cheek. Ruling with that. Zane. Zane, I, you probably can't hear it. This is a good voice for you. <laughs> it is. This is good. I, I was surprised that that's Will Ferrell. Like, I know. Usually when you hear Will Ferrell, it's just Will surprised. Ferrell, but this, is, this has some depth to it. It was 2001, so I don't think he had hit his ascendancy yet. So, like, he, <laughs> hey, let, he, let me he would have shown up at a show When like was Will Ferrell's... When was the Will Ferrell ascendancy? When did Will Ferrell hit it big? Let's see. Well... You know, as as I was watching the show, I realized that Will Ferrell, uh, he's sort of, I don't know if typecasted is the correct term for it, but it does seem like he's had a stretch of cheerful, dopey dad roles, mm -hmm. and, like, maybe this was, like, kind of the start, you know? Could be. Like, uh, other guys, um, no, I mean, he's it been, probably started with old school cheerful, with Frank the Tank, right? He's been cheerful dope since his SNL days. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, but, like, specifically cheerful dope dad. I feel like it's a different, <laughs> it's a different quadrant of that of that uh, particular person. Mm. We'll, we'll have plenty to say about uh, how lovely this cartoon dad is. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, like let's uh, let's first set it up. Uh, welcome everyone. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. Oh, me too. And my name is Dan. Uh, me hashtag me too. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is. <laughs> Don't know what that was. I, uh, and this is the Cast. Uh Welcome to it. Yeah, welcome to <laughs> and the... And welcome I, through it. 
<laughs> I feel like we're melding together different di- different podcast intros. At this we point. we have too many we have too many podcasts to keep track of now for us to get the intro anywhere. We're still not. We should really, anywhere close to cohesive. We need to have a no. form that we like a Mad Libs we can fill out. Uh, but this close is, to cohesive. The Carton Cast story. The and this Carton. Is the, car- the podcast the, where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. The Carton Cast and thirteen other tragic podcasts for troubled millennials. <laughs> By golly and jitter, jitter me timbers, the podcast. Jitter me this. What? Jitter me timbers, how's that? Jitter me timbers. J- How do we feel about Bob as a pirate? <laughs> uh, hey, he, well, if he's going to try to, pirates usually try to climb something with a knife in their mouth, so he wouldn't mm-hmm. really do well oh, with yeah. there. He would have peg everything. He w- He could have peg everythings. <laughs> yeah, that's a step up in the world. It is. Huh. Anyway, <laughs> fun robot accepted. Well, America. Yes, uh, and um, we're, today we're talking about the oblongs, of which Bob Oblongs is the most important and interesting part. And then there's some other cool stuff, too. Yes, in case you're yeah, just joining us. Guys. <laughs> uh, before we start talking about it, let's uh, invite our guest on uh, the podcast proper. Aww. Please enter. Oh, <laughs> hi, everybody. The defendant I'm... enters. Ah, uh, hey. Stage right. Hey there. Hi. Uh, it's, <laughs> That's how you're gonna enter court. It's, hey there, hey, how y'all, very unsuspicious. How Jay. y'all doing tonight? Everybody doing okay? Who had the fish? Okay. Judging McGavelhands, how you doing? It's uh, hey, everybody, McGavelhands. It's your favorite reoccurring. That's like a Monty Python judge. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's your favorite reoccurring guest host. I am Dan Caves, and I'm very happy to be back with you guys today. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dan Caves. Well, welcome back on uh, our resident horror expert and Other whatever expert. else he feels like doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just come on by. Bit it, of a renaissance man on the Carton cast. Yeah, and you totally we wanted, are. We wanted to have you on, especially because of uh, your recent new podcast, Cocktail Party Congress. Yeah, uh, where you talk about political um, issues of the day. And the so this only seemed... political podcast. With a three drink minimum. To our knowledge. That's right. We do throw in that little caveat of to our knowledge. For all we know, <laughs> there's there got to be a way to look it up, right? For, I, it's just it's just such a good tagline. I'm just so jealous of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about your new podcast, your new endeavor. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The Cocktail Party Congress, as you guys have already pretty well laid out, where uh, me and my friend JT, uh, we've gotten together and, you know, we've been friends and political junkies for quite a while. And so we, and also drinkers. So we decided yep. to combine the two things. In that order? Yes. Um, absolutely. And out of order. order. Uh, any order, really. <laughs> um, yeah, we sort of yeah, well. switch around our identities there. And um, yeah, he and I have uh, conversations about political topics uh, while also getting drunk. We, Whenever we hit record, we have already had, like, we we're just starting our third drink. We literally have a three drink minimum on our on our show. Um, and we think that it helps us to have the conversation more honestly because our another one of our mottos is the Latin phrase, in vino veritas, in wine, there is truth. Um, it's so good. It, thank you so much. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with it, and um, you know we're yeah, very right. excited to keep it moving and keep it keep it happening. Um, yeah, right now you're in the middle of a kind of a walkthrough on the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to our Constitution, and yeah. you have an interesting take on them because you focus more on 
you know, clearly they offer us rights, but you're looking at a citizen's responsibilities toward these amendments as well. It's a very interesting back and forth that I haven't really heard a lot of. Yeah, that, that's something that he that, that both JT and I feel very strongly about is that for for the past, you know, for, for basically the entirety of our of our political um, consciousness, we've been hearing a lot about rights, 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 and your rights are absolutely important and they are you know the backbone of our civil society but what also comes along with that is the other side of rights which is we all have a responsibility to exercise those rights wisely and we never give much thought to that and what does it actually look like to be a responsible citizen and not just someone who's you know just fed a constant diet of you know Mm. leave me alone and uh, (laughs) ask not what you what you can do or ask not what your country can do for you sort of thing yeah yeah and yeah but how how much money you can make for you doing it and it's something (laughs) yeah exactly and it's something that we're like i I feel like we're sort of like getting to a point in the conversation where it's like this has as much to do with just the way that individual citizens treat each other as like it, it has as like our political situation has as much to do with how we as individuals relate with one another and how we approach our interactions with one another and all of that and it's yeah i'm i'm hoping people are finding it interesting to to, to yeah, get it's a neat intersection to, to hear about that i mean we're yeah. gonna keep doing it we're gonna keep doing it otherwise good so. <laughs> yeah every episode Great, we have guns every episode we have a featured cocktail and uh, so far they haven't been um you know, theme- like themed to the discussion, but you know, we're we're trying some new stuff, and uh, every that's, episode that's a narrow box to put in yourself into. It but is. at the very yeah. least, you can become a little bit more worldly, yeah, uh, alcoholologically speaking. Yeah, you can learn some new some new drinks and tricks, and uh, yeah, so it's it's going well. It's going very well. I I personally cannot wait to come on your podcast for that at some point. Yes. I find the notion of like political responsibility really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was first learned of the social contract, as what was it, Aristotle put it? I think? Uh, Rousseau, Socrates, uh, no, it was that, Plato. Yeah, no, no. Uh, the, so the social contract—that's something. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dance-plain this to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ben, you've got this started. Yeah. This, oh boy, yeah, what have I done? Concept. No, it's uh, like uh, like <laughs> so, the social contract as we understand it. It comes from uh, the 1700s, and it, it mostly started with a uh, uh, French philosopher during the Enlightenment, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. He was the first to, like, I think, he was the first to really put the idea out there. So, like. As we understand it, the social contract is more of like it's a very recent uh, invention. I'm not sure what the Greeks okay. had had to say about something like I, that. I think that I, I I remember one of those one of the three boys uh, having one of the holy trinity of Greek philosophy um, <laughs> being, you know, have, having something to say about the social contract about like um, you being bought into a society because you've you know been using it and. You know, my early nihilism really chafed at that kind mm-hmm. of uh, that kind of uh, lack of freedom just by uh, stint of uh, you know being born in a place. Yeah. Um, but I would be really interested to talk to you about it while minorly blitzed. I, I absolutely. Think, I think the idea was best uh, summarized by that '90s philosopher Austin Powers, who said that you got freedom and responsibility. It's a very it's a very time. groovy time, <laughs> baby. You know, that's my I love bag. Talking. Well said. <laughs> my my. 
favorite part about talking to Dan while Zane is here is that, like, you'll say something, and at the end of the statement, I can look down, and Zane will have enough of a smirk on his face that I know he came up with something, and I <laughs> have to try to see how long I can make him wait to say it. I love it. Yeah, that's... Well, that sounds great. Um, we brought you on today because uh, our cartoon today deals explicitly with the social contract and uh, with the state of America mm-hmm. and its policies. Um, although it's it's uh, it's interesting to see how things have changed and stayed the same since when this cartoon came out. Absolutely, that was something I yeah. was thinking about a lot as I was watching the show. And I, like, if I had to give my preliminary thoughts on that, is please. The show was at least a decade ahead of its time. <laughs> it's weird how it was satire then, and it looks almost hopeful now. Yeah, it's extremely hopeful now. Like, I, I think maybe it was intended as dark satire at the beginning, but now yeah. it's like, in recollection, it's got so much more heart than message mm-hmm. <laughs> behind it than, than, than what I was... I, I had thought coming in that it was really going to be leaning on the social... And uh, economic, you know, um, messages there. And what I found was that it was more about people being able to uh, survive and grow out of adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know exactly how much political and, and social meaning you got out of this, but I'm very interested to talk it over. Sure. And, you know, we'll, we'll sort of go through the usual Cartoncast uh, structure, and I'm sure I'll have, <laughs> I'll have thoughts along the way. The Cartoncast shock treatment, the, yes. Yes. All that structure that everybody... <laughs> the Ludovico just, test. We just... <laughs> That is this podcast. Yeah, like I think that the social, like the social inequality. Everyone, everyone put on your, everyone put on your torture devices yep. to keep your eyes open. Everybody, everybody got them. Everybody put in Good. your your eyelid toothpicks. <laughs> yep, get that rapid eye movement going. Uh, no, like something I was thinking along the way is uh, the social inequality that's depicted in the show is really like they they play it as a gag like they don't make it the point of the show it's not like it's not like dinosaurs where it culminates in like a strong social message at the very end about yeah like it's not subtle yeah it's not subtle but it's it's a bludgeon to tell jokes yeah exactly and and it's there yeah it's there to create conflict you know Mm -hmm. and situations i I agree because this is ultimately uh, situation comedy it, it is true a sit down comedy um yeah, so uh, let's get into it. Um, Zane, uh, do you want to tell us the production history? The Oblongs ran in 2001, first on the WB and then on Adult Swim after its initial cancellation. Uh, it was written by Angus Oblong, which is the pen name of David Walker, uh, and he wrote the book Creepy Susie and 13 Other Tragic Tales for Troubled Children, and this is sort of an offshoot using a couple of the characters, but mostly just the the it was in inspiration for for the show. Yeah, I think like Creepy Susie yeah. is a side character in mm-hmm. in this. She show. is she's yeah, part of cameo. the clubhouse yeah. crew. Yeah, she's with the weird, the weird French morose one. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I I actually just watched a, a short video on like the making of the Oblongs and kind of mm-hmm. Angus Oblongs' uh, vision for it. Okay, and what it sounded like. Was that uh, he wanted to? He, he originally kind of did Dark Susie as a or Creepy Susie as a dark parody of those Dick and Jane kind of comic kind of quick comic strips like See Jane Run, See Jane Fall Down, See Jane Cry, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, like the childhood lesson, and it comic. sort of took on yeah, yeah, like sort of a you know Cliff Notes Grim Fairy Tales kind of you know <laughs> quick 
quick morale sad morality tale <laughs> um but apparently it didn't his uh, his work his ideas didn't generally survive the animation process and uh w- the impression that i got was that he was proud of the oblongs but not it wasn't what he wanted oh, and oh. i don't know what he wanted but this <clears throat> seemed like it worked it i think it worked better than i would have gotten if it was like undiluted from angus oblong yeah um, but i don't know what that looks like it yeah. does still need to be like a jokey 22 minute cartoon series uh, and this isn't you know the modern era where you can have bojack horseman just like collapse into a depression spiral for four seasons you mm-hmm. do need some jokes Absolutely. this was also the era that there were a bunch of burgeoning cartoon studios that were trying to make their name in the sea of futurama mm-hmm. simpsons and family guy mm-hmm. so they yeah. were kind of vying for supremacy with the sitcom formula and i think this one sort of tries to nudge in the South Park direction of being audacious and making that the comedic focus, and then sort of pulls back from it uh, so that it doesn't ever really make its own dent. But yeah, I did find lacked, that it has a bit of a cult classic. It lacked the general uh, appeal, status. but it is still, yeah. a, I think, a, a fairly strong show. I think part of the cult status that it's achieved is, has a lot to do with... Um, the subject matter of the show, which does have, it, could, it is a still a bit of a commentary on social inequality, as it was really starting to manifest back in two thousand one. Combined, combined yes. with, um, yeah, combined with, I mean, look at the production history of when it ran. It ran from April of two thousand and one, so the Bush administration was very recent, and then it ended shortly after, like nine eleven, where. There were some other shows that had like very sati- like very politically satirical themes to them. I remember right. there was there was one show on uh, Comedy Central called That's My Bush, where where it, it was a like it, it was an almost cartoonish live action. Um, tr- Matt Stone <laughs> and Trey Parker made like a sitcom just riffing on Wait. on like the day to day goings on in in the White House there. Wait a minute, and that ended well, shortly. This wasn't. Shortly after, so, so like maybe ben, you're th- thinking of Little Bush. That's a different I am thinking one. of Little Bush. Oh, that's that is another a thing that you're thinking show. of, <laughs> which yeah. is in turn different from my cartoon president. I assume yeah. all of these are terrible shows. Oh yeah, but like this show might not have had the audience that it deserved because it came at a time where all of a sudden Americans had very little patience for criticisms and critiques of the system as it exists like how could you yeah where those are you against us and i'm not and i'm not sure like i'm just speculating wildly here but if that had anything to do with it's like it ended november 2001 that's generally it's like all of a sudden it's like I mean, a little too I mean, real we don't, for we us don't guys. say yeah. we don't say 911 changed everything for nothing. <laughs> well, like, I don't want to yeah. blame There's everything. There's a reason that's what's said. Well, I don't want to blame everything on 911. It's so easy. You, you though. should you should also feel free to like Dan, you should also feel free to speculate away. Absolutely. Like you're in the right place. Oh, you're that, among friends. Thank you so much. No one will hear this. Um <laughs> So, uh, Dan, I want to ask before we get uh, kind of started wholesale into the characters and things like that. Sure. Um, did you enjoy this show? I did. I found it hilarious at times. <laughs> uh, even had you had you heard of it before watching for the show? No, actually, this is my first exposure to the Oblongs, and uh, when you guys brought it up to me, it's like I had to look it up to figure it out, and. 
Yeah, I'm really I didn't happy. realize that it was so few episodes. Yeah, it was only one. one it was bigger 13, in my head. One thirteen episode season, uh, so yeah. it was easy to I, it, it was easy and cheap for me to find to watch yeah. it. And you know, I I I was very happy to watch every single episode. And oh wow! I ended up really enjoying it and uh, thinking about some of the situations that they that they put everybody in along the way. I also have some. I fun, remember. Like, we can get to it yeah. at the end, but I do have some thoughts about the very last episode. That <laughs> let us know. I'm I'm going to stew on that for a bit. Yes, Great. <laughs> very good. I I remember watching this on uh, you know Adult Swim, and it was not quite my speed then. I like it a lot more now. But I remember thinking, oh, this is as gross as everything else on Adult Swim right now. But it's it's funnier. <laughs> it's clearly better. Mm-hmm. Man. I- and I think that you maybe have a better grossness barometer now as opposed to earlier. Um, now that we've kind of gone through Invader Zim, we've seen some like Ren and Stimpy style yeah. kind of grossness in places. This is oh, pretty yeah. tame comparatively to the, you know, congested immersion that was Invader Zim. There was kind of mm-hmm. no, there was no uh, reprieve from that. Whereas this yeah. one kind of, just skims the surface of that unchlorinated pool, you know? It it doesn't really get down into the into the grime of it. Mm-hmm. There is no robot... And I think that it suffers a little bit for that, but also is much more palatable. Um, yeah, I think that comes down to taste. I don't know how you taste. feel. Well, I think that comes down to it, taste. Like, w- what you were saying mm-hmm. about it being a less aggressive version of Invader Zim, almost. Like, I think it benefited from the fact that it didn't have a little annoying robot assistant... Constantly, yeah. constantly. <laughs> Just making it a person who had has a bunch of disorders made it so much easier for you to accept. Exactly. He's still just as hyperactive. He's still, yeah. I, absolutely. He's rolled into Let's one just being. Make, can we just make this funny robot into a sad child? <laughs> I know. Up. Make him a real boy. <laughs> Geppetto this asshole, and then we'll talk. Dad. My head's on um, fire. My head's on fire. Yeah, the that's, difference that's, really. You're better at that than I am. I can't mm. do these voices. I'm going to cut myself out of that intro. Aw. <laughs> it's fine. You guys did a great job. No, you, you contributed well. Golly gee, Ben. If you, if you, I don't need to say it. Your heart is Uncle so Sam will make it right. Um, yeah, so uh. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the, the show in general and the characters, and then we can get into how it works as a critique of uh, of American culture. Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess to set up the plot, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Um, it is, uh, you know, we, we're looking at this town called Hill Valley. There are the hills where the rich people live and the valley where the poor people live. And uh, the poor people live at the bottom of like a global, globoside industrial toxic factory. So we also have like yep. a, There's like a mega environmentalism... Corporation sort of uh sort of message there yep um and so they live amongst toxic chemicals which means they're all mutants yeah they all uh, have a variety of yeah. mutations and birth defects and all they that. sure do yeah and yeah. and we follow the oblongs which is this like classic sitcom american family who are like surprisingly well adjusted all things considered um you know they each have like a major deformity but it doesn't define them as much as their um perseverance through it which is the, uh, interesting and i almost feel like if this show was made today that would take criticism like that it's not affecting them more i think that's like a uh i think i feel like that's an, a subjective thing like 
only the person who is going through it can kind of define whether they're a victim or a survivor sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think it's fine to point out. And the director, I believe, said something to the effect of the Hill people, you know, have fine lives and, you know, have nice stuff, but they're, they're, they, they have kind of like a moral or like spiritual deficiency that the Valley people, through their adversity, do have so um, i mean there's kind of a moral in there there's more of a community in the valley i f- i feel Absolutely. like and so so like the hill people are um <laughs> it's funny because the hill people does not sound it like doesn't sound it doesn't like sound, they're, they're they're the wealthy healthy sound like elite the posh elites yeah but <laughs> they're they're economically well off and spiritually and emotionally like morally bankrupt like they live prosperous unhappy lives Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then these people in the valley who are, uh, you know, completely, completely at the mercy of the lavish lifestyles of the hill people, um, they're suffering like they're suffering loyally through through the <laughs> adversity that, that's thrown at them. I think that's the best way to describe Bob Oblong, the yeah. the, the patriarch of the uh, of the Oblong family, is that he's he, he's the kind of person who without whose loyal suffering to the system that the system could not exist without someone that, like him. That's that's kind of what I mean, and I think yeah. we need to talk about this guy for a while. It, it's Absolutely. He <laughs> buys into Try this to idea me, of Zane. the American dream and hard work will get you everything, and it's so clearly not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it works for him. Like it, Even though he is wrong and like blithely ignorant of his actual status, it just... He's managed to convince himself that he has a good life, so he does. It's sort of amazing. He, I don't think he's delusional. I think he actually has buy-in in the system that he thinks. Like he, at times in the show, he has very. And let us just uh, clarify, listeners, that Bob Oblong yes. it has was not. He didn't lose the limbs, but he was not born with any arms or legs. What and I think man? it's awesome that that is not the most important thing about his character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right out of the gate, like, we completely forgot Like, to, we almost forgot to mention it. To, like, yeah, like, his, his main disability well, we is that. we know what we're talking about. Is there a technical yeah. term for that condition? I forget if it was ever mentioned. To have been born without, without limbs. I don't want I, to Google that. Mm. Yeah, me neither. That's that's. I feel like that's I mean, going to be disturbing definitely not. Don't that. image search it, but no, like we'll, I'm not going to. Sure, we'll put a show look, look link up in the show notes. Uh, yeah, um, good idea. His name, uh, point of order. His name is Bob because it's based off the old joke. Uh, what do you call a man without legs and arms and legs trying to swim? And he's, you know he's Bob's. So he Bob's. He's a Bob. <laughs> yeah. And his body has that oblong shape, so that sort of yeah works on two levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he. I mean, he's my favorite character. He probably would float great. too. Oh, he's he's the centerpiece of the show, and the only character I didn't tire of watching. You know, the only one who can really sustain a whole episode. Mm. Um, so he kind of struck me as a uh, middle ground between Hank Hill's sort of down to earth, grounded, you know, faith in the system sort of thing, and then combine that with every cheerful dad that we've ever gone through. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Dexter's dad combined with Hank Hill is what we're looking at here. Yeah, oh. a little bit of George Jetson also. Um, oh, we should mention he's being played by Will Ferrell. What? Will Ferrell. <laughs> An actor hitherto unknown to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Um, um, Will Ferrell just sells this so well. I uh, just... <laughs> yeah. 
man, the, the, the voice actors for this were exceptionally well drafted. And, uh, I, I was just reading. I was just watching through the video where uh, the director was talking about the hiring process, the casting process, and apparently they tried to get a number of people who did the same kind of voice, but like none of them had that spark. Which is yeah. why I feel like Will Ferrell actually probably does get typecast into this role a lot now, just because he's very, very good at it. So, like mm-hmm. you can really sell the dopey, hopeful dad, the dopeful yeah. dad. He's an optimist. I mean, we, we 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 can we can run down the optimists all we want, but. At, yeah, at, at no, his no, no. heart, he's it's contagious. Yeah, like I don't think he's delusional. I think he's just optimistic, which is another. Yeah. So, sometimes it's another. You know, sometimes it, those it are can, synonyms. But. It can seem delusional when things are really bad. Yeah, because yeah. in real life, his circumstances would be fairly tragic. But he's he's so gung ho. Yeah, uh, like for example, to, to give you an idea, um, you know, there in one of the episodes, they're they're going line dancing or something. Like he gets dragged along to it. And you see him in the line dancing, and he's struggling because, you know, no arms or legs. And he says, yeah. ah, I'm unfortunately, I'm missing the two things you need for this. A bolo <laughs> tie and a big belt buckle. <laughs> and, like, so all of his dialogues like that. Just yeah. he refuses to let it be a thing. He adapts the, uh, to every situation. I, and, he, and I love the... F- I love the unflinching faith in the system that he has. That, like, the clearly the system has failed him and his family. But, like, yeah. there's something very... The reason that I say he's it's, like... It's, Hank- the, it's the feel-good nature. It's like George Bailey at the, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Like, no, I refuse to give up. I uh, The reason I say he's like Hank Hill is because there was one line that he said that was a lot like a Hank Hill line, and I want to say both of them because they're great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where he... Uh, he uh, where, where Hank Hill, for some reason, he's angry, and Peggy calms him down by talking about the post office. Yes, <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, And he's just office. like... Ah, the post office. Like, he just really <laughs> likes the idea of orderly lines. <laughs> and, like, in the first episode, uh, somebody, uh, Beth is uh, tattling, like, the little kid with the tumor that, uh, the the daughter that he has yeah. tattles on uh, Milo. And the mom, Pickle, says, nobody likes a tattletale, honey. And uh, <laughs> Bob says, I do. They're an essential part of any family unit. So, like, it's just, you know, any functional society needs tattlers. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when he, uh, when they're going to, like, a, parent-teacher conference and he says parent-teacher conferences are two hoots and a sack full of yowzas <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's got all of these 1950s isms in his in his repertoire he, he's straight out of the 50s yeah. so wholesome yeah <laughs> he's like yeah, almost, he's like the good version of bob pataki yeah he he's selling it so hard it almost feels like a job metaphor like ah. life just keeps taking and he just keeps giving mm-hmm. well that's why it feels like delusion for me is mm-hmm. because of how hard his optimism flies in the face of his circumstances. It does fly in the face of the fact that like the enti- he and the entire community are actually taking it on the chin from the Globicide Corporation. Uh, like That's if the only you place think about they can it, take it. If he, if he was just if he was just struggling, then it would be inspirational. But uh, inspirational, but maybe that's just a, a side effect of the fact that like the world that they're depicted as living in is horrifically corrupt, and so mm-hmm. the fa- like his his like cheerful optimism is like an impediment to any any real social change. While everybody else you think- moves towards nihilism and just the fact that there's nothing you can do about it. This is a good point. I I almost feel like the worse their deformity is for them, the, like the sunnier their disposition has to be, mm-hmm. because how else would they cope? Yeah, that's true. So like, 
if you think about the people in the hills, uh, you know, they're all like pretty bitter and and uh, either, you know, very kind of don't think about anything or when they do think about things, they're always very, you know, the 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 Debbie's dad, whatever his name is, played by Billy West or something. George like, Clymer. My father, Chesterfield the first. He's, he's one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, he's, he's always frowning. He's never happy. Um, but if you, as we go down kind of the rank, the social ranks, um, the sadder, like the, the more deformed they are, the, the happier they kind of need to be outwardly in order to, to cope with that adversity. So it's one of those Mm -hmm. more adversity makes you more capable of dealing with adversity things that I really enjoy. Yeah. I definitely see that. It's, um, it's a neat function of the animation. I, I just want to mention, as you say, the characters are all deformed, but not dehumanized. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, character has a big hump or a weirdly shaped body or, like, is missing a jaw. Like, they're still very definable, relatable characters. Um, and the fact that they have, like, big eyes and very distinct profiles make them actually more human than the rich people who are all, like, small eyes, which is cartoon speak for, like, don't empathize here. Mm-hmm. Um, or stupid. Know, big underbites like just very you know furrowed brows like they just sort of are a homogenous ugly mess yeah yeah the, the debbies all have that like open mouth like triangle grin thing going on Ugh, mm-hmm. that's so and triangles are like you know unholy cartoon. already yeah, yeah cartoon shorthand for like Ugh, menace <laughs> triangles are bad that triangles are bad that gets me wondering who's living in the real dystopia in this in this cartoon Oh, we we are, but we the viewer, <laughs> the audience. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. we the audience are in the real because we're looking at him. We're like, oh, geez, Zane, he, he's <laughs> working at a metagun. <laughs> he, like he's working at a factory job and has you know it's a single income family with a house and three kids. Like, yeah, that's, he's he's capping bottles with his bare mouth. <laughs> my goodness, I didn't he's... realize that we would be yearnful for this sort of economics. <laughs> like he's met the CEO. How on earth? <laughs> Yeah, there's just not that many people there. Most of them, most of them are stillbirths. I yeah. mean, the I mean, the the birth rate has got to be pretty low. It has oh, to be. Oh, you think it's like a plague scenario, like uh, maybe the death yeah, of maybe feudalism. The only, maybe the only th- uh, problem with uh, the hill people is maybe they're also deformed, but all their deformities are just sterility. Maybe. Like there's only a few of them, and so they don't have to support many kids, and so they like can kind of rise to the top there. Yeah, but they're so, like idiocracy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like idiocracy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is the beginning of idiocracy. We're I getting like a lot of dystopias jumbled up. <laughs> Dan Caves on the podcast. What do you want from me? It, yeah, it, it, it eventually all the dystopias blur together. You know, <laughs> the the dystopiaverse is going to be dyst- the next is going to be the next Amusement Sparks episode that you go on. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, the dystopiaverse. Uh, uh, like before it. we get out of Bob, I do want to mention that the fact that he has no arms and legs like we can talk about the you know his sunny disposition being a metaphor all we want but at the end of the day this is cartoon it tells jokes some of the best physical comedy is him trying to do a normal thing without arms and legs yeah Yeah, because every single daily task the writers have to come up with not only a way that he could do it but a funny way that he could do it Mm mm-hmm when I love that moment where he's trying to change a light bulb, and so he's like lashed a cord around himself, ga- given one end to the dog with his mouth, and put the light bulb in his mouth, and like stands on a stool to like reach up and put the light bulb in the socket, and he's just like 
all right, just one second, dear. And he throws a stake out the window so that the dog goes and runs it and just like <laughs> screws the light bulb in by yeah. winding him up real yeah. quick. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, they put How a lot of for that stake. Yeah, they put a lot of thought into those into those gags, like very much so. I love his like uh, I love him like bouncing from place to place. You know mm-hmm. his. You can see, like, the tensing and untensing of his entire body. Yeah. Oh, his core has got to be jacked. Yeah. Without, yeah. Like, to be able to That's do that. That's why Pickles loves him so much. Yeah. Oh, God. And they <laughs> fuck a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably my favorite episode. <laughs> they they haven't missed work. a night. <laughs> Where we learn the detail that they they've been married eighteen years and haven't missed a day. <laughs> yeah, they've been that, having sex um, every single day. A night or a morning. They yeah. fuck two times a day, three hundred sixty-five yeah. days a year. Yeah, and have only three and a half kids. And their son again Mi- sterility set yeah. in. And their son Milo has this reverse Pavlovian response of like hearing he his mother sleep. He can only sleep if he's hearing his mother take it and go like, oh God, oh God, oh God. He'll like Or to be honest, probably give it. Like considering just like the logistics of the geometries involved. This, this there. is true. Uh, well we've brought up pickles, so I guess we could talk about her now. Yes. Yeah. Dan, you are you are running this podcast like a like a pro. Oh shit. Thank you. I, <laughs> no, I, you're good. You're good. Keeping us to task. Like, <laughs> I like the conceit of this character, somebody from the hills who is, you know, slumming it, but seems to enjoy her life much more because she can be that individual. I mean, she is an alcoholic, so we're not sure how much she's right. legitimately <laughs> enjoying this. Downsides. Uh, but she did, she 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 does seem relatively, like, actually happy to be married to Bob Oblong. It it feels like she's kind of gotten away from taking the red pill yeah. in the way that like the the rest of the hill has. <laughs> yeah, you know, like she's sort of like looking with disdain upon the people that she used to call her friends. Yeah, like um, she, she and that can, can be pretty it. comedic. Yeah, she can see it from the perspective of a valley person of what it's actually like to be at the wrong end of the social system. No. Yeah, and. It's a little weird because I don't know how to marry the fact that she seems much happier than if she was still a hill person. Like, she is clearly a very loving wife. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's very much in love with Bob. She's a pretty negligent mom, but let's just ride right yeah. past that. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing is, she's also, like, a rampant smoker and alcoholic. Like, mm-hmm. clearly doing things to cope with her station, her new station in life. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding it hard to marry that with the, you know spiritually she is better off do you guys know what i mean yeah i totally because there is a disconnect there you know yeah um it could be um it could be like something that she did did deliberately to um so there's this thing where like the happiest marriages are the ones where both partners are kind of not too different from each other, you know, similar social class or only one above or below, similar levels of intelligence or, or you know, stuff like that. And and when you have, like, one partner who's unemployed or one partner who, you know, married down, quote unquote, to a large degree, it, it sows unrest. So she might have just, like, seen it coming and was like, I gotta, I gotta pick up a couple of negative character traits to... <laughs> balance this that's out. a very that's a funny idea <laughs> ah yeah that's interesting to think about she, she, it seems like she's doing it you know for fun almost as if the point was to make herself worse mm. like a tyler durden yeah like, <laughs> like, like let's remove our social class let's just be nothing so nothing will matter <laughs> uh yeah that's an interesting thought there 
I mean, and it, it could just be a Hill thing. Like, the Hill people also seem to be alcoholics. Yeah, maybe she did take that up. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a holdover of her, of her Hill oh, but time. But you were saying. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, j- just to sort of think about that disconnect between, like, the terrible habits she's taken on. And uh, let's also mention that the chemical uh, lifestyle that she lives in the valley has caused her to lose all of her hair. So she has this ridiculous Big wig. wig. Yeah, this this enormous oh, yeah. wig that gets this, blown away, like almost bouffant kind of. Like, how can we? How yeah. can we have Marge Simpson stand in without it being too obvious? Yeah, <laughs> give the wig a hunch. So, like, <laughs> her her, ha- her habits <laughs> might be the coping crinkle. mechanism for the actual like the terrible things that happen in the valley. Like, it helps her cope with that. But oh, like, her, like, like she can't get the good painkillers. Yeah, maybe that. Like, yeah, and then more like, for her. her actual happiness is like it is kind of tied to like Bob is a very upbeat and positive person. And if she stayed in the hills, she would have ended up with a, you know, a sociopathic millionaire who would have made her miserable. So she has this like this this beacon of positivity in her life that maybe like that's what keeps her going. And yeah, her her seeming dislike for her former her former lifestyle, like, it could be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It could be reaffirming to her. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. She, she worries about buyer's remorse almost. Almost, yeah, but. I could see it. Yeah. I also think it's, like, a, 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 you were saying, like, the Hill people also probably drink. That's certainly true, and they also probably smoke with those, like, long cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. I don't know for whatever reason... I almost feel a little bad that I like point it to her and I'm be like, and I'm like, low ca- class, so drinking and smoking. But like, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. the show says it. You yeah, know, the show she's constantly saying, when I moved to the valley, I started smoking and all my hair fell out and I started drinking. I got a really good bar. You know, like, <laughs> what, what, why don't why don't you do so a, she an upper that's... class drug like cocaine? Yeah, you know, <laughs> cocaine and martinis. <laughs> cocaine and martinis. <laughs> <laughs> or you raised in a barn <laughs> raised in a bar uh, how do you of want, course how, how, how would you like that martini and cocaine shaken not stirred and really shaken not stirred <laughs> and by really shaken I mean I want to be really shaken I would like the martini dry and the cocaine even drier <laughs> oh that one was way better yeah, thank you oh <laughs> uh, uh, man so, so much pickles. of this show reminds me of Roseanne yeah yeah which rose <laughs> <laughs> um you know the the, the show with the Dan, the old roseanne the Dan, old roseanne or the new dan tanner yeah that's not right is it dan yeah. connor i don't know i've been connor. reading some weird conspiracy stuff about like how the current reimagining of roseanne is in a different universe than the original roseanne or like a novel she wrote is herself wait yeah because that's the right, old you were ro- talking to me about the nude roseanne what 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 is that again? Just like all of the opinions that she once held as like a, like a, like a blue collar Democrat almost like a what are they called? Like what's the what's the old cucks? term? Mm. Not cucks. Not everyone's are cucks. You sure? Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. I've heard blue dog Democrat. Blue dog. Yeah. Blue yeah. Dogs. And now she's much more of like the, like right wing sort of, um, sort of thing. So like a lot of. And so the conspiracy theory is, like, the last season of the original Roseanne has a bunch of weird, like, gimmicky soap opera crap. Mm -hmm. But then they retcon that because they had to bring it back. And so 
the original series of Roseanne was a book written by the current Roseanne, and the final season of the original Roseanne was a book written by that character. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> so convoluted. It is I'll, a convoluted I'll put the article out. in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way to make sense of it, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, there was an episode, yeah. in, like a season or two before the end of the old Roseanne, where Dan, where John Goodman's character has a heart attack, and... Like, everything from that moment was, like, an alternate history of Roseanne, like, writing a novel of all the incredible things that happened yeah. for her family. And then at the very end, like, the very last episode of the original run ended with her, like, revealing that it's like, oh, it was all a book. Dan died. And, like, I've been coping. And this is how, like, they got me a typewriter for my birthday one year because I was super depressed. And this is how I yeah. coped. <laughs> and now they're back with a new season of Roseanne. And... If you add yeah. like yeah. chemicals, <laughs> chemicals and medical deformities, I guess that the oblongs would, <laughs> yeah. would uh, kind of. It's about this. Like, there. I, I mean, accepting accepting the environmental message and the deformities, like I feel like they're pretty similar. You know. It's yeah, the, it's like how does the blue collar person cope with the shitty circumstance? You know. Yeah. And you know the humanizing nature of going through adversity as a community, as mm-hmm. opposed to you know, just existing as in, you know, existing without kind of any problems in your life, let's, I guess. Mm-hmm. Let, let's go through the other characters so we can get to more of that uh, satire. Yeah, because there is sure. a, I, I do want to mention. I do want to mention that Pickles is played by uh, Gene Smart and uh, just nails it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, As I said, I had watched a lot of the actor kind of casting video stuff, and, um, like, it, she, she's a very, like, flamboyant like waving her hands like she's really into it when she's doing the role and she looks like a pissed off protective den mother <laughs> it's awesome and it's quite a range because i believe she also played uh, kim possible's mom who was a brain surgeon and just that dynamic range is different she was building up the uh all the way the commergent the, com- the piss and vinegar for however many seasons kim possible had <laughs> uh but yeah the next characters are chip and biff the Siamese twins that are played by the Sklar brothers. Yeah, I was very excited to see the Sklar brothers show up. <laughs> it's so oh. weird that they're there. Yeah. Um, I love they're, it. They're fine. Yeah, they're, they're also... They're, like, conjoined. They have a third leg between them. Yeah. And they're, like... Yeah, they're just kind of like vehicles. the odd couple in one character. Yeah. And they really are yeah. kind of just there. Like... The DJ yeah, of this family. Yeah. They can't hold a plot on their own, but they're fine as bit characters. Yeah. They do that delightful thing with uh with brothers, uh, improv brothers that we saw in like Angry Beavers, where they have this dynamic that you can't really script. Like they'll just kind of talk over each other and bicker in a way that feels very ad libbed and natural, and mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. So really good, um, really good character. I thought. Yeah. Not very mm-hmm. additive, but like it worked on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next character in the family would be Milo. And he's kind of the protagonist of the show. Like, he, yeah, if Bob wasn't the front runner, Milo yeah. it, would be the front runner. If yeah. if Bob is Homer, this is Bart. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's yeah, no, and, and and if Bob was Hank Hill, this is Bobby Hill. Yeah, yeah, and this is Bobby. It's Hill. played by Pamela Adlin, who played Bobby Hill. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I would describe her voice in this as extremely loud and incredibly close. <laughs> yeah, am I wrong in that? <laughs> it was aggressive. Well, it, was, it was aggressively correct. childish. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as bad as uh as you were saying, Dan. It's not as bad as Gur though, because yeah. of uh, all the uh, sadness. Yeah, exactly. And so, so yeah, Milo. He's 
he's an over-medicated kind of kind of hyper kid. He's pathologically high-spirited, as his dad would say. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the term. Thank you for remembering that. Pathologically yeah, high-spirited. It it's like chronic whimsy. Like yeah. the two words don't, <laughs> don't quite go together. I, I really like that idea of like making of. Uh, Making up, like, medical terms for just dispositions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Dan, you mentioned, like, the show feels like it was prescient by, like, 10 or 15 years. Because this is, you know, this is the stereotype of the kid who was raised on a phone. Yeah, he's, he's you know, that hyperactivity that, you know, we don't know what's causing it, doctor. And so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just let's just fill it up with pills. Let's just like put have, pills have in him until he. Your kid? Let's just put pills in the child <laughs> until he is compliant and does what the system wants him to do. <gasps> yeah, I love his shirt. <laughs> what a, what about his shirt? Do you like? It just says no. Oh yeah, was that so, like, on him? No, all I'm the not going to be com- like in in relation to what you were saying. Just I no, like flat refusal for the things that you're trying to do to me. Oh, but I'm... like, just no more than that. Like, it's just no, period. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me either, but it's kind of not your deal. So That's leave me alone. Great. I like. I've, I not now that you mention it, I notice the no on his shirt sometimes, but not all the time. If that's always yeah. there, that's a, ooh. I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's kind of like a creative kind of uh, protagonist. Um, and, and, you know, in the way that all the Valley characters kind of have more heart to them, he's generally got a moral involved and his heart is usually in the right place. He's very sitcom protagonist-y. Yeah. You know, kind of dude. At the same time, so he's I, very I like easily, that. like, corrupted or controlled. Um, yeah. By <laughs> but I like that. To... I, I like that kind of that kind of balance or conflict. Um, that, you know, people are trying to steer him the wrong way, and the correct yeah. answer is to just refuse them. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, I feel like he gets pretty far into his demented processes before he gets pulled back by his dad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, that time when he accidentally sold an energy drink that was mostly morphine. Like <laughs> That's right. Yeah, There were true. a lot of times in that process when he could have been like i really and, and he actually did he should have looked like, down at his own shirt i don't want to be a part of this and just said and they're no. like yeah no, you kind of have to be yeah yeah I, I guess that metaphor is not perfect i still like he, the shirt a lot he gets into antics yeah some antics happen yeah definite antics um, <laughs> uh main driver of the antics of course no yeah he's got like this uh group of friends they have a shitty tree house they do have um, a very shitty treehouse. I mean, they pretty much have to. Yeah. Do you guys care about talking about any of his kind of uh, idiot yeah, friends? Yeah, we can talk Not a really. little bit about them. I mean, we've got... Uh, you got Flapjacks, that one kid. Oh, yeah. He, uh, is he the one with the big ass? Yeah. 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 With the butt flaps. Uh, there's Helga. I didn't like him very much. No, he didn't seem to do much. He just, like, every now and then his, his flappy ass cheeks were... Or a punchline and a joke. Like, that's... See, that's the that, thing. I didn't like these kids because they had deformities that were only punchlines. They were only punchlines. Uh, I think... Make it... I, well, Helga Fugly, I think, had a little more development <laughs> in her. I mean, now that I know that her last Surely name Surely it wasn't necessary that, to say her whole name. No, it definitely... <laughs> like, now, now that I read Surely her entire was, name out, but What, Helga Fugly? <laughs> Helga Fugly. 
but I think that's uh, a great name. Th- there were a couple of that's a biblical name, isn't it? No, there, there, there were a couple of uh, like there was one episode where you really got to see what her home life was like, where it's like you get to see some of the darker side of the valley life, and uh, you found out that her yeah, parents right. looked like she was abandoned by her parents, and like uh, like uh, her de- like her characterization was sort of like. She's the delusional one. Like she, she, like she's the one who copes with the terror of her existence with sort of like affirmational delusions of like yeah. she's convinced that all of the like all of the uh, hill people, like the Debbies, who were like the perfect like the perfect blonde uh, uh, popular girls at the school, like she's convinced that they're all her friends, and at times she has to be like reminded that it's like no, you're. You're one of us. Like she has a little more development, I think, to her. So Helga, yeah, yeah, I, I'll agree to that. I, it didn't make me like her anymore, but she is no. at least useful in this narrative. Yeah, she's yeah, exactly. She's uh, more useful than like Flapjack or or like Creepy Susie or Half Face or Half Face. I like I like Creepy Susie. She doesn't do much, she, but she's she's nice and weird. Yeah, like <laughs> I, 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 every every kid has a major deformity, and she's just French, French, <laughs> French, <laughs> and black funny. and white. Yeah, she's which in two thousand and one uh, was a true. great joke. Yeah, she <laughs> she's sure. an existentialist. I'm sure it killed. Yeah, her deformity is existentialism. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, and she is just creepy Susie from the comics. Yeah, um, I was kind of disappointed that she wasn't more of a thing in the show because I like the first like in the pilot episode, like the first thing that she said, it's like, oh, that was great, that was hilarious. And I was yeah. Like, what is it like? Drowning is one of my three fi- favorite ways of dying, but yes. they're all good. Something yes. like that. <laughs> one of my yeah. One of my three favorite causes of death, but they're all great. <laughs> <laughs> she she feels like she was just from uh, Invader Zim. Could to be, be honest. a little bit. Yeah, like uh, bit. like a Miss Bitters almost. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah. So um, oh, there is one I more. Like, uh, I was just going to say there was one more um, member of the Oblong family. Beth. Oh yeah, little Beth. Beth. The little Beth, the youngest, little most She's innocent super daughter, cute, growing yeah, like a horn really? or something out of her head. Yeah, um, or, or, or like a is. a growth, like like an like a satellite dish is gonna oh, bloom Lord. into a. Yeah. She's gonna be able to download transmissions. Let's use, let's use the the generic growth yeah. as a term for that. She has a skull. I mean, it's clearly growth. just a. She's got, she's got a tumor of some sort. Mm-hmm. She's super cute. She is. Uh <laughs> Not much more to say than that, really. <laughs> but I, I like that she's kind of like the the baby of the family, and they all kind of dote on her in in small ways. Yeah, you know, like the the dad and the mom do anyway. You know, she, she still has. I like her the innocence. relationship. I like the relationship between uh, her and the mom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 real cute. There's yeah, that one episode where uh, the mom like fails to be particularly good at her job at being a mother, and uh, you know what was. What was the doll that she wanted? Velva, Volva, some something ridiculous. <laughs> the episode where like this is an entire toy line made out of like puns for genitals. Oh no! Do you remember this? I didn't see that one. Ah, oh, why am I blanking on this? <laughs> it's the episode where Pickles gets that uh starts doing like death-defying feats as a different way of coping aside oh, from yeah. drinking and smoking. That's right. Oh, I think yeah. I might have glazed through that one. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. Ben. Sorry to take no, that's, out, of that's the, okay. out of those sales. Well, we should we should put a marker down to clip in some ridiculous phrases because like the 
the people who were writing that episode were having so much fun making like the thinnest like any reason they could squeeze a genital word in there and they did it <laughs> i'm always in favor of that the evil the evil majora you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. like let's we we have to fight scrotus maximus that ridiculous <laughs> i don't even know what to say but uh pompeii eruption it's, it's a cute <laughs> the, the uh i like her doll slowy slowy yeah, that's that. That's Beth's little doll Best friend. Anybody. I don't know why I remember that, but it's it's nice and cute. Yeah, good attention to yeah, detail. The, <laughs> the show gets a lot of details right, like a lot of yeah. uh, like a lot of little jokes like that. Oh, plenty yeah. of opportunities for puns. Um, yeah. Are there other the, characters uh, that anyone wanted to bring up? Um, maybe in a second, but I did want to mention yeah. that uh, Zane, y- you are probably aware of this. Dan, I don't know how good your catalog on Kablam is, but uh, we Not dealt with good. a group. We dealt with a ragtag group of people, of uh, outcast kids uh, from, oh, you're away from about the popular the offbeats? kids. Uh, in, in a different show in uh, Kablam called The Offbeats. They cool. Which, they the Offbeats. Yeah, which literally had the populars as the cool kids who wouldn't let them play in their gang. And the uh, they were called The Offbeats. And it just, it's actually very similar to this proportionality if mm. you just focus on the kids. Yeah. Yeah, they just extended it. Ah, huh, that's really cool. Um, so uh, I I did want to mention one thing. Now that we've meant that we've covered the family and the friends, um, apparently Angus Oblong originally crafted it to focus more on the uh, friend group, and the producers came in and were like, "You should focus on the family," which I think, I think was a much better idea. Yeah, I yeah. think it's the right choice. Cause yeah. Just because the the friends aren't that interesting, and the family really gets that growing through adversity message together better yeah like there are a handful of episodes that focus on the friend group but i think there would have been a lot of overexposure and it just wouldn't have been as good and like if the main thing about your show is that it focuses on economic insecurity kids don't really have a grasp on that and it doesn't affect absolutely Mm -hmm. the first episode was actually like pretty biting because the entire plot line was of that was that bob was going to lose his health insurance yeah you know, yeah, it was yeah, gonna a, lose... a, a group of kids are not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Will not be able going, to carry that out. Carefully going out of their way not to get injured or sick along the way, and like yeah. all these all these ridiculous mishaps begin to happen to them until yeah, until they get there. <laughs> yeah, by happenstance, of course. Um, I'll just start this off. Listener, a warning. Somehow we have ended up on the topic of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> some context there. Somehow. This is something that... More like some when. This is something that always happens whenever you have <laughs> Proceed. Neon, is is a weird, weird specific things come up in conversation. So, yeah, so Baron... 40 minutes that we cut out of the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> no one will ever hear this, and you should be thankful. <laughs> you should be grateful for the, uh, f- for the judgment <laughs> that will we'll go into editing this. We are grateful for all judgment. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind just hearing like a folklore made into role playing game podcast mm. with like that's just you in a hard in, in a hardcore history style, like <laughs> you know, just saying how much you love all of yeah, them. <laughs> absolutely. So, getting back to why we hit record in the first place. So, yeah, Baron Munchausen is this kind of like oh, yeah. the story behind there is it's this um, you know this Victorian adventurer who has all these like oh, like 
over the top, ridiculous, slightly like like sci fi ish adventures that he like goes around boasting about. So it's like, well, when I took the rocket to the moon and the moon people brought me their you know highest tributes and all that, and so the Baron Munchausen RPG is a it's a it's a no GM. It's a completely open ended people sitting around a table kind of a system, and it's essentially a scoring system for one-upping one another's ridiculous over-the-top adventure stories like <laughs> your improv skills kick in and you know the person next to you tells an incredible story about the insane adventures that they went on and yeah. then you then that like there's a system for for like scoring up how good of a story that was and then everybody else is trying to one-up one another going around the table a, uh, a, a wikipedia entry here for the munchausen trilemma um, Please. It has a picture where Ber- Baron Munchausen pulls himself out of a mire by his own hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of great. That's a that's a Johnny Depp move right there. Um, wow, that's really yeah. something. That, uh, isn't, isn't that like a... I feel like Herschel did this. Oh, yeah. yeah Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. What's his face? Yeah, Herschel. You, you talked about it recently. It's, uh, you know, like uh, like Jewish Bugs Bunny. It's actually a lot like Jewish Bugs Bunny. Wait a minute, Bunny. I thought Bugs Bunny was already Jewish. Implied but never stated. Mm. Herschel is definitely What, canonic. because he was always talking to a doctor? That's fucked Bad. up. <laughs> no, it's, it's because he was from the Bronx. Constantly asking how his doctor That's friends are doing. Semitic. What's up, doc? Hello, nurse. <laughs> All right, yeah, I, I think we were about to wrap up characters, unless anyone wants to talk about anyone else. Uh, hmm? Yeah, I think we're ready to wrap up characters. Yeah, so let's let's look at the. Uh... Although I do like the bullies, also voiced by Billy West. So many voices by Billy West in the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he's the best. He gets around. He does. It's the Billy best. He is the best. Um, but, but yeah, I want to look at how this show does its satire and ways that it succeeds and ways that it fails. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um. um I was just going to reiterate um, that it tries to make like a social and economic inequity funny so that we can, you know, deal with it, which I, I think that's the idea for this show is that like, it's trying to make the sadness funny, you know, in, in the way that humor just kind of makes us able to deal with our, our situation. But it has more personality than message, I thought. Like, I... I found myself caring more about the characters and less about the plight of the characters, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it had a very mm. local way of addressing issues. At no point were they considering, you know, any any way of changing the status quo. Yeah, it was all about yeah. getting these guys through the day. Mm-hmm. Which I so. think, you know, probably was fine for when this show came out. Um, Again, they were to- trying to compete with other sitcoms mm-hmm. right so that had to take the focus sort of a formula there for what um, works i don't know i just keep thinking about how this show would have to be different if it came out now so one of the things that i really noticed mm. was um you know so if you look at like helga fugly or like the drag queen character like the show is weirdly progressive on an economic front saying mm. like look at how all these social ills and problems come about because lack of of money or lack of influence and at the same time it's doing like 
it's a little socially regressive by our standards. It's like, yeah, let's do fat shaming. Mm. Let's make fun of, you know, people in drag. Like, there's a reason this left the WB and went to Adult Swim. Mm. I, I'll be real. I had a real hard time contextualizing whether or not I should be offended by the by the drag queen character. It was unclear um, what, what yeah. they were going for. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't I know like whether was, I was supposed to like her. I felt like it was there for a gag. You know, it, that's it, what it, it felt like to me too. It was it was a source of gags, like you know, that's about it. Yeah, the, and that that's troubling because, and, and that's sometimes what happens with like the clubhouse kids, but and I guess sometimes what happens with the family too. But like it, it feels like at, the the gags happen on the way to the, you know, the the deep meaningful family messages, and it it just felt ex- it felt weirdly exploitative in this. It, in, in certain localized areas, like Helga's fat and you know uh, Anita Bidet, which granted is a great name. <laughs> that is a no, uh, that's a phenomenal name. The fact that she's a drag queen, yeah. um, but you know, I, I had a real hard time kind of figuring out if it was offensive or not. Because, right, because because uh, like, you're so used full, to the show exposure. punching up, right? Yeah, and and like full disclosure, I'm I'm dating a transgender guy right now, so mm-hmm. you know I'm sufficiently woke enough to like be able to see it when it's <laughs> when it's happening yeah and it, it really does feel like you know maybe every time every time they can make a joke about this person being a drag queen or transgender or something they do it mm. and that's the end of the shot like we don't get around to seeing anything about their life and so i i'm it leads you to believe that the the, the point of it is to be kind of low-hanging fruit sort of sort of exploitative humor honestly Mm. when you're comparing it versus the other shows that were on at the time uh i mean you look at like you know not not exactly the same time but you look at friends and how there was a lot of like oh no homo kind of gags in in that show Mm -hmm. um it i think they they took a lens toward this economic stuff crazy to think about (laughs) they just didn't even think about this as something that needed addressing Right, like they didn't even question. Yeah, we should make fun of fat people. Why not? No, they were still sleeping. Yeah, it was. Yeah, st- yeah, it was just not even on the radar. Yeah, it's amazing because so much of the show is like these are real problems in our society. We should be addressing them. And also, look at those hairy fucking arms. You know. <laughs> and but then that that brings up the question of so that was fifteen. So so that's where society was fifteen years ago. Which of those problems have we actually addressed over in that time? Like the things that have actually changed. Who is American society generally? Like, let's just talk about American society generally. Like, we're far more accepting. uh, Like, we're far less uh, tolerant of fat shaming, and we're far more accepting of transgender people and everything. But like. If you were to have, I don't feel a like modern... we turned a corner on either one of those yet, though. Not there's, a corner, but there's, pro- there's pro- compared to like the there is progress, the representation that we've seen. Like we can't like that. That's interesting to think about. Is that like the issues that we have looking back is what we've made at least some actual progress on, and, and, and the fact that it's coincided with like the death of unions and stuff like that. It's yeah. like. That's just where people who wanted to change things put their efforts, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is necessarily true in like Europe, where where they're 
as I understand it, they were much more con- like the the progressives and the liberals were much more concerned about those economic uh, bedrock principles. Yeah, hmm. it, it's tricky when you start getting it. into it's it's tricky when you start getting into like making progressive issues at the cost of leaving other progressive issues behind, though, because mm-hmm. then you kind of get into a situation where like so like the situation a lot of the time in, in in progressive movements and social rights issues is that all of the underprivileged kind of need to all stick together in, mm-hmm. in an effort to get kind of everybody to raise themselves up as a because maybe each particular individual is not strong but if we can get all of the disenfranchised together great but there is a consistent narrative at least in the transgender world of or, or like the, the the gay world that like will come back for you mm-hmm. like once we get these social battles figured out we'll come back for you and make sure that you're taken care of and that's just not it's mm-hmm. never that's done. just yeah. that just doesn't happen how do you triage yeah. so, what so, to work, what to focus your effort on like how do you triage that and say like yeah. well if we improve things here in this subsection that's going to create a greater good that will eventually be like yeah that's that's and it, it just it's piecemeal it's 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 making your society better by inches rather than trying to like adjust your entire framework. Yeah, and, that, uh, that's yeah. one reason why I think the show doesn't actually subvert or poke fun at what it's trying to. I think mm-hmm. I think the whole class divide and that sort of thing is used as an excuse so that we can feel okay about making fun of these very tragic, otherwise tragic characters. So mm-hmm. that's a really good point. Yeah, like remember Pelswick. Um, they were the guy uh, Pels Wheels. Pels Wheel. He was making fun. Have you, do of, you know Pelswick? Uh, oh yeah, Dan. Dan. No, you know no, not off the top of my so head. So it's it's a it's a show with a really jarring aesthetic choice about a kid in a wheelchair who, um, like, that's the protagonist is a paraplegic, and uh, it, it's actually got a lot of style and and and, and is very witty. But uh, Zane, what were you going to say about it? Well, it, the message there is against. Um, the politically correct that was the stated right. message of its creator which is like dealing with you people is far more strenuous in my life than dealing with my <laughs> with my you know disability mm-hmm. um you know his his words pretty much um and if, if i may ethan tells me how irritating it is all the time to deal with people who are supposedly straight allies because mm-hmm. they think they know but they don't <laughs> and it's like it's yeah. like way worse than dealing with the detractors hmm. and i think you know, this show kind of loses its focus in, like, it's like, okay, I need to do these things to be accepted by the actual satirists of of the, of, of the powerful. Um, so I'll give you an example of why I think this show isn't as edgy as it thinks it is. Sure. Yeah. There is a common feature in a lot of shows, uh, and you can see this all over the place when you think about it, where screw up characters no matter how badly they mess things up can still scrape by economically so like you look at it's always sunny in philadelphia these are the worst people and even they can survive day to day yeah and this has such a huge impact on people's perception of the real poor uh it's like oh if bob oblong Mm. can embody the american spirit why can't you if the friends and friends can, you know, goof off in the middle of the day to go drink coffee and go on escapades and, you know, lose money, this, that, and the other, and still afford your apartment, what's your excuse? Yeah, what, what about Kramer? <laughs> Kramer. 
Yeah. <laughs> and just look at that guy. <laughs> consider Kramer. Consider the consider the Kramer <laughs> and the problems Considering that he Kramer, in our colon, society. the working poor. Yeah. And so even on Seinfeld sh- though, sorry to interrupt, but even no. even on Seinfeld they address the fact that Kramer has such a ridiculous life. Like George Costanza goes on That's a rant true. about him like he's living in a fantasy cap. No work. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Each whatever he wants he falls, falls ass backwards falls into ass money. Falls backwards into money. Yep. <laughs> And that's true. And so, what is this? Sh- what is the oblongs actually critiquing? Because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not helping culturally progress anything. Yeah, it's not having a progressive economic standpoint. Really, all it's saying is like, yeah, fuck those rich people, right? Yeah. No, I think it's right. a little closer to having a progressive economic standpoint than you seem to be giving it credit for. I think that I definitely agree that the social progressivism is not as strong as yeah. it seems to think it is. The the text is there, but the subtext is not. Is all is how I'll put it. Um, that's a that's really well thought out argument. Talk. Yeah. I think you're right on that too, because the the social, like especially in how it, I don't think a satire or a critique is what I would call this show. It's mm-hmm. what it's what the show had the opportunity to be, but it isn't the direction that they took it in the end. What the social system, the social system itself is a gag. It's not there. Like <laughs> it's yeah. true. It is depicted. It's- in it's ridiculous it. terms, it's depicted in absurd, and it has a point of view for sure that the life that the hill people are living is not good for everybody. And like, I remember in uh, one of the like, I think it was episode twelve. Um, I took some notes on it. Like, they visited a, a theme park that the corporation Globicide operates, called Globicide Village, and like some of the rides wow. had very had very like. They had names that were very much in the vein of, oh, this is social satire. It's like the trickle down log flume, right. uh, like <laughs> the corporate pirate, the corporate pirates of the Cayman Islands. Uh, it's a third world. Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> there, there was one ride called the Downsizer. Like they very obviously have a point of view on the economic system of this world, but they didn't do as much with it as like i th- i think the best way to put this discussion is are the obl- is the show the oblongs woke and i, I don't think so it, i think it's saying look at this <laughs> economic inequality in american society man that's a bummer <laughs> and then <laughs> the very but last episode here's here's what here, let's hear this okay i've, I've been waiting <laughs> episode 13 the very last episode is almost an affirmation of the system as it exists. It sort of shows the the consequences of what would happen if you just pulled the like pulled the fuel out of the machine as it is. Uh, mm. j- just to give you the brief synopsis, listeners, if you haven't seen yes, it, yes, please. Uh, so uh, through a through a long connection of circumstances the ob- like bob oblong loses his car it's like the you know biffin chip wreck it in some ridiculous way it had something to do with like a like a demolition derby that they were in or something or a road race and so <laughs> they decide to go to a police auction to get a new car they end up buying the car but the george climber who's the manager at globicide and he's bob's terrible boss mm-hmm. puts the mayor's bribe into the car that is being auctioned away 
legally the car and the money belong to the oblongs and because the mayor doesn't get his bribe money all of the services that hill valley depends on the police the fire department all of these things <laughs> they refuse to do their jobs because they didn't get the, the, the like the the wheels were not greased and so in the end they had to restore the money to the system to make sure that it actually all works so that wow. so that so that the protection ra- and here's the thing so that the protection racket that is government can continue in another show that could just be somebody plundered the treasury it doesn't have to be the corruption it doesn't have to be the bribes but if you took the money away nobody's going to do all of this out of the goodness of their hearts and it sort of reaffirms the idea that oh no it has to be this corrupt because we have to like otherwise the police aren't going to give a shit about us and it's like it's almost like an affirmation of the shitty circumstance that they're in and and, and, like an explanation of why it would never change and Mm -hmm. that and like that last episode was like <laughs> jarring for me to watch because it's like okay, so this really wasn't for anything. Like in, <laughs> you in the end, a theme, and then you're just like, nah. <laughs> in the end, they need the corrupt plundering system that they all live under. Like, and oh, and Bob Oblong yeah. is Bob Oblong's optimism in trying to keep the world going as he understands it is what reaffirmed. I was I was talking to um Jeez. to a friend of mine uh recently and he he skews a bit more conservative than I do mm-hmm. on economic matters and I said so what exactly is the problem with just raising taxes on on very wealthy people and he's like well they would just move their companies to another country where the taxes are lower. Yeah, they start and cheating. I'm, and I was like there's gotta be something to prevent that (laughs) but i don't know if there actually is it doesn't seem like there is there will always be a loophole somewhere there will always be a loophole and then you just get into full-blown criminal activity once you Mm. once you exhaust that i mean yeah and that's when you go to comedy central and listen to the set list and watch my cartoon president and try to (laughs) fill the void that is in your political life not having any meaning by trying to laugh about it, because that's all you can yeah. do. Yeah. I, I ben, really ben, feel like the <laughs> point of this whole cartoon is you can't change anything, just enjoy how silly some of it is. Yeah. Ben, wasn't this a plot line in um, Transmetropolitan? Where the... What about it? Like, the president is, like, absolutely corrupt, not even hiding it. Uh, oh, and he's and he's like listen. It's more than corrupt. He is psychotic. He's like, listen. As long as fifty-one percent of the people go home and don't complain and don't have enough of a problem to lift a finger, I've done my job. Mm. That's not even the bad president. That's the decent one. No, because then he disrupts <laughs> it and it on gets the worse. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. the thing. Like, there's got to be a third way here. And he but like, there doesn't he like holds up a drink and he's like, and if you don't like it. That's fucking tough. <laughs> it's just so like, frustrating. So unscrupulous and unhelpful. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But yeah, Howard, yeah. I, I don't know how cogent that is, but I, I do think that that... Uh, I think that what you're saying, Dan, is that it recognizes the futility in some of its message, mm-hmm. and it doesn't undercut the struggle because the struggle is... Like, Bob's point of view, even though it's, like, systematically, you know, kind of proven... His optimism is kind of continuously proven inadequate to the situation it still has utility in and of itself like it's better to have a sunny disposition it's indispensable under the circumstances it's 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 an adaptation it's a survival mechanism for him (laughs) yeah it it is it's a survival reflex yeah i I do think that this show is largely about that trying to laugh at the stuff we can't change or you know is is unfair 
because that's all we can do. Which is why it's a comedy. It feels like a political cartoon more than anything else. Like this show feels like a political cartoon. Yeah, at times it definitely has that feel to it. Uh, Uh, Hmm. yeah, the oblongs. Oh, could we also talk about how the mayor is a luchador? Oh my god, I I almost let it let myself forget that you said it, and I was like, we have to. Mayor Bledsoe is wearing a Mexican wrestling mask, and it's it's amazing because like absolutely a, they start incredible. at a reasonable they start at a reasonable like you know actors and you know celebrities becoming politicians standpoint um, to the point of ripping off Idiocracy, where literally the mayor <laughs> is a luchador, <laughs> is, a, is a masked wrestler, um, but yeah. Even though the macro theme of the show may be wanting on the social commentary uh, progressivism spectrum, there's like these little moments of like pretty incisive wit, like yeah. the idea that they're just going to have your mayor be a luchador, mm-hmm. like no stops. <laughs> like this is what this is the joke that we're making, people, and here it is, and you're yeah. gonna laugh because it's kind of funny. I, there's one. There's a, another example is like one line that Bob says at one point, um, where like the our family is family is arguing about a thing that happened in the town and his response is what we really need is an immediate accuracy is the immediate accuracy of television news and then like (laughs) it comes on and says a bunch of propaganda and nonsense but you know there's like little moments in this that kind of show you they know they know what they're doing it Mm kind of is like the twilight zone where and like he has to believe these things to survive like it's a good thing that timmy did that right it's it's a good thing that our president (laughs) i love his haggard eyes He's got the dark circles under his eyes. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's taking one for the team. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that last episode also got me thinking about how, like, yeah, even a good government is essentially a protection racket. It's a protection mm-hmm. racket yeah. with legitimacy tied into it. And, like, yeah. the problem yeah. with, like, one of the problems with Hill Valley is that, like, the lavish lifestyles of the hill people uh, c- kind of undercuts the legitimacy of you know what's happening on the on the valley side of things and like, but then once they actually do like sort of in a roundabout way do something to affect the system, then that dynamic really comes into play and all of a sudden like the police are refusing to do their jobs for the oblongs because <laughs> hey we didn't get our cut and like the fire like the fire department is just gonna let a building burn down because it's like well the, we, didn't, we didn't get our the cut. system has a lot of momentum it does <laughs> not like to be disturbed no yeah it's like yeah so yeah, yeah. uh the and that's why yeah. yeah that's why the carton cast does what it does to <laughs> To help us ignore all that, yeah, and yeah, we, today are, we are the potholes on the wor- on the road to success. The Carton <laughs> Party Congress is what Ooh, I'm going to call Carton Party Congress. Very nice. <laughs> There's a merger to make yeah. our, to make our podcast title even more unintelligible. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't really. Yeah, like you guys were saying, if you're looking for incisive social commentary, don't expect it in droves from the show. It's no. it's a funny show. No. It's a relic it's of, very witty. The, of the turn of the millennium as far as the social, you know, uh, stances go. Um, it's funny in its own right. It, I definitely enjoyed yeah. watching it. Yeah, it's definitely a fun show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just not not where you're going to get actual subversion from. Yeah, yeah it, it again, I don't think its message is as, st- as, is as strong as its, um, as its heart, like mm-hmm. the, the presentation of it. The, the fact that all of the characters are voice acted so well... And you know, you know, it's got 
a pretty nice aesthetic to it, I think really helps me enjoy the show. I could see if it didn't have that for me to just be able to pass the show by entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely not its strength, I would say. Yeah. yeah, the the characters, the storytelling, and that aesthetic are what separates this from Lil Bush or, that, or whatever that other show was. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's just pandering. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Those those shows are just pandering. This at least has some some style to it that I can appreciate. Like like mm-hmm. this one never mentioned a president or anything like that. Like thank no, goodness. It this, needed this to be is... a small town <laughs> yeah. story. Well, that's the thing. There's there's no like prime mover of what's causing this. It's just accepted as this is the way society is. Globicide. It's society. The, it's not the, politics. The it's Globicide Corporation. Is, yeah. Side. yeah wasn't that something in like That's rocco's so modern life like conglomo yeah like, yeah listen this is just how it is yeah it's a lot like Mo- Mo- rocco's modern life which actually brings me to a point i want to discuss because uh sure. rocco's modern life ren and stimpy invader zim they're all as i said grosser looking than this is and i was wondering if you guys felt that that, that was overall additive or subtractive because like i tend to fatigue mm. of cartoon grossness pretty quick if they mm. lean into it too hard but this is like just yeah. a quick look in the toilet. It's mm-hmm. not like a full-on cavity this, search. Exactly. This is, one of the big, this is one of the benefits of cartoons because you know if you see these people like with actual deformities, it would be it would trigger that you know immediate disgust reflex. But because it's a cartoon, it's not so weird. It's not so viscerally upsetting, and you're like, oh, these are these are my characters. Look at how unique yeah. and friendly they are. Yeah, like I'm imagining Beth as a real girl with a growth coming out of her skull, and I'm horrified. But she was so cute yeah. in this one, and like... She really was. Yeah. And yeah, no, it, it wasn't an overpoweringly disgusting depiction of some of the deformities. Like, it it really, it like, yeah. Uh, it but, it but didn't as, detract But as a from, card-carrying from member of the Nightmare Corps, Dan, uh, <laughs> did you... Did you not feel, like, a little bit cheated that it wasn't as disgusting as it could have been? Not really. It makes me wonder how long Globicide has been poisoning this community. Because I feel like if it's been, like, <laughs> if it's been going on for, like, generations, yeah, maybe it there would like be. Generations. It feels like generations. Yeah, okay. I didn't feel cheated at all. I felt like it would have, um... It would have undercut some of the, like, yeah, it would have kind of undercut the heart of the show if it was too, like, in-your-face gross. Like, it would have been too dwelling on the tragedy of their existence and not so much on the... It would have been a tragedy, not a comedy. Yeah, Yeah, we're supposed to like them. It's supposed to be absurd and not disturbing, you know? We're supposed to come away with having laughed. Yeah, exactly. So, I guess having it be more immersive would have really made that hard to do. Yeah, and that's not really the show that it was. Like, it, it wasn't a full-out horror show where where you would expect, you know, gross-outs to happen just for that, j- mm-hmm. just for the benefit of the horror and the scares that would come from that. Uh, yeah, I thought I, it was very. I agree. Yeah, I thought it was well done. It was well done on the oblongs end of things to not go too overboard with it. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, do you have any recommendations for maybe other kinds of shows that do kind of good... Uh social satire like social class satire that maybe we could get another point to reference because i am interested in seeing this in media if not cartoons Um, you know but i I, I just don't know any yeah neither do i 
Not off the top of my head, unfortunately. Uh, th- there Just really keep it is. In mind. Yeah, there isn't really a show that I can think of that's doing doing anything that like what the promise of the show was. I almost well, wonder they... if it would be worth. I, I almost wonder if it would be worth somebody resurrecting this. I'm not sure who owns the IP on it, but I tell I tell you what, Dan. Let's say you made a cartoon about social inequality. <laughs> what does that look like? Ooh. Mm, and I don't mind putting you on the spot like this. This is our yeah. show. We do what we want. The scene opens. Thought crime is blinking in bold letters. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have. No, if I a were to make. A subliminal message reads obey. <laughs> it w- okay, I'll put it this way. If you really wanted to make it like really unsettling on that end, I wouldn't have had it stratified so hard as it is on the oblongs. Like. I think mm. most people would have to it be is doing most. Yeah, exactly. Like, if people were suffering as badly as in Hill, as in the Valley, I like it, it, that's an incredibly unstable political situation to be in. You're just begging for a revolution at that point. <laughs> like, and when enough, and, that, and that's actually part of the conservative argument for a welfare system, is that if enough people are suffering and if enough people are being left behind far enough comp- relative to where everybody else is then that's when you start to see on like instability and people start coming with the pitchforks and and the torches oh, and everything but if i were to do Damn. something yes, yes. <laughs> you you should head you should head a oblong season two which is like the aftermath of the political revolution yeah i would love that um <laughs> but if if like if i had to do something of my own thing it would be mm. where everybody is doing just well enough to not be suffering on that level, and so they're far less likely to have, like ever have that thought of like, what are we even doing here? Yeah, is so the it, message it reflect... is not that it's unfair. Yeah, I would. I actually no, I would hard. set it in the hill. I would set it in the hills. I, I would, really, I would make it oh, about and they're how. Trying to, like, like they're doing market research to try and figure out like what's the exact level we can squeeze them. <laughs> that would have to be depicted, but but I think it, like the theme I would like to see uh, explored more is um, the idea that the hill the hill community is civically and morally bankrupt compared to the valley people. And, like, mm. seeing how the ultimate pursuit of an economic prosperity doctrine is dehumanizing in the long run. Oh, man. That and would I be a th- really interesting, like, companion piece to the Oblongs is to have, like, uh, you know, a, a well-to-do but not quite enough well-to-do family in the hills trying to climb the social ladder and having their family suffer because of it. Yeah, and seeing—yeah, exactly. And then seeing all of the different uh, sacrifices that are made in the pursuit of— raw economic gain and growth at yeah. all costs uh it, it wouldn't be it yeah it, it wouldn't be set in the valley it'd be set in the hills <laughs> huh yeah <laughs> that's, a, that's a neat idea yeah because i'm I, i'm a very firm believer that economic systems make for terrible value systems and oh yeah you you, you usually see the uh when, when you try to elevate an, e- an economic idea to the level of what once was filled by like a like a moral value system or a civic or like some other ideological construct like that. Mm -hmm. That's when you start to see dehumanization 
and you see it in mm-hmm. capitalism just as hard as in any of its uh, uh, direct opposites. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, there, n- nobody in capitalism it, is getting shot in the neck over being unproductive, but at the same time, it has its own dehumanizations and it has its own ways of of making it like of you know creating depredation where it doesn't mm-hmm. need to exist. And maybe exploring that a bit on the hillside would have been really interesting to me. I will Following... confess that I I have to top tap out on uh, economic talk 2018 because I just don't happen to know anything at this point. But that's okay. I was I, I was it's essentially Ben just venting that. <laughs> you went down the Dan hole, Ben. All economic sy- systems are founded on certain bedrock principles, which, if followed in any other matter besides economics, would lead to ruination of society. Mm-hmm. There needs to be there needs to be something else guiding it like you can't just have rampant capitalism as you like see wrestling. in this and or wrestling you could like, have every you could have everything do, do, as uh, solved by wrestling you know what i ben figured so, it like, out like you know your your <laughs> motto on your show is in vino veritas mm. i say in speedo veritas in speedo veritas i love it <laughs> maybe that's Guys, how that's, that's my contribution hey. <laughs> that's a that's all I got. Maybe that's how the mayor became mayor. Maybe that is their electoral system. <laughs> there's just a wrestling match. People's elbow just detractors. <laughs> I'm gonna power bomb the establishment. Don't even worry. Uh, um, looking uh, at the last few bits of this show, uh, the theme yeah. song is uh, written by They Might Be Giants. Really very... ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, weird, right? <laughs> I didn't know that. And it's it's very happy and sing song which again undercuts the severity of the subject matter if this wasn't a comedy yeah it is happy and sing song but there's like really like morose and maudlin kind of instruments behind it it's all like kind of kind of sad drippy trombone kind of stuff and you know it doesn't it doesn't feel good to listen to like you you get the yeah. feeling like it's a it's a, ba- a marching band that's trying their hardest to keep it going but they've been walking for like six miles and they're like crashing down a flight of stairs or something also <laughs> listen very closely to the song that they are singing because the, the the lyrics to that is a very very vivid description of the world that they're living they're in happy like, glowing home yeah yeah that's um, really good and i love how mm. they're all so happily sitting outside the uh out the, outside their house having like a real kind of uh uh, having like kind of a family dinner, the grilled hot dogs or something like that, and then yeah. the rain cloud goes right over their heads, <laughs> right over them, and nowhere else. They're the only things getting rained on. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Again, it's it would be sad if this show wasn't supposed to be comedic first. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know <clears throat> how well a cartoon can sustain that tone. Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like. If you don't have a comedy core, if you if your output is not comedy here, then you're not going to have any buyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Also, one thing that they may have escaped by not going too heavy on that stuff is it could have just felt too much like propaganda, and I don't think oh, anybody yeah. would have. Yeah, liked that's that. true. Yeah, like high and mighty sort of thing. Yeah, I don't think anybody would have mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 It, it did need to be a little subtle. It could have been more subtle, but <laughs> it was at least a little subtle there. Uh, and I, I, uh, I think it escaped that trap. Yeah. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, maybe at the cost of being a little less effective. Yeah. But yeah. 
It, it didn't, didn't seem like that. Um, I wanted to mention that I found the dialogue really funny, specifically for, like, surrealist humor. Like, there's a lot of really funny, like, one-liner things that... It, it's kind of like the... You know, uh, like the like the clubhouse kids, they show up. It's like, oh, there's the joke, and then they mm-hmm. just like run off screen. Like they they do a weird thing, and then they're done with the joke, and that's kind of as far as it went. Yeah, but it was pretty funny. Um, in one episode, Bob uh, tries to get uh, they, they get a dog, and they eventually give it to uh, you know his boss for some reason, and the boss subjects mm-hmm. it to testing. Um, so they go in and get like a, a tour of the animal testing facility and Bob is asking his boss, why are you putting a sombrero on that beaver? And like a sombrero like touches the beaver's head and the beaver just explodes and the boss <laughs> just looks down with him and with derision. And he's like, I think you have your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's Do weird I? in yeah, no, there are a lot the of places like where that. you wouldn't expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of little moments yeah. like that that I remember. Like, I, I recall moments, like, those sorts of moments I just, like, belly laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's very good. <laughs> yeah. The timing the timing on this is pretty good. Yeah. There's a, there's another time where the house is flooding for whatever reason, and you see uh, Milo is, like, extremely tired, so he's uh, falling asleep on, on the bed, and then uh, Beth is kind of, like, settling down for a nap or whatever, and then it goes to Chip and Biff, and they're sitting in their room with, like, a plate of turkey. <laughs> and, like, while the house is flooding, they're, like, just eating the turkey. And one of them turns to the other and is like, man, it was such a good idea to eat this whole turkey lying down in bed. But, won't, we like follow kind of... sl- but, but won't the tryptophan put us to sleep? No, only if we hear some white noise. Yeah, because, yeah, white noise. <laughs> and the water's like... <laughs> yeah, it was the episode where Milo was having the insomnia. Bob and Pickle stopped having sex. And so, like... Somebody suggested to Milo, white noise will help you sleep. So he turns on all the faucets and flat, flat, yeah. like and, floods and the just, house. They, yeah. they pan Trip across club. both Milo and Beth going to sleep. And then like the, the pattern is established. They all need to be asleep for the climax to happen. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and then they make the joke with Biff and Chip eating the turkey in bed. Yeah. <laughs> like just pointing out how stupid it is. Yeah. But then Trip the running club, water comes this... through and the white noise puts them immediately to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strip club? I thought this was a colonial-themed steakhouse. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> what yeah. was it? Declare Watch independence from her, from her knickers, knickers or something yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah. You, you must have liked that scene, man. Yeah, that was, no, that was a fantastic... <laughs> fa- that was a great episode, yeah. The entire episode was great. Oh, oh yeah, that was real good. I, I specifically... I kept watching from beginning and got through, like, five episodes, and I'm like, I want to watch the one where someone steps on Bob's balls. And, like, I <laughs> just went to that one, and then I was done. Yep, there it was. So I, just, I remember that being a really good mm-hmm. a good one. So, yeah, overall, yeah. like, a, a funny show, a good show, well-cast, well-scripted, um, just not as subversive as it appears at first glance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as yeah, you said, agreed. not as progressive as it no. could be. Because uh, it wasn't its priority, and as you said, not quite as woke as uh, as we are today. Yeah, and it was made in two thousand and one. It really holds the like. It has that stamp of being a late nineties America. Mm-hmm. Like that's <laughs> about where we were socially in two th- in like early two thousand and one. You know? Right. It's it like, feels more like the show was set in the fifties, though, to me. But but maybe that's because everything that, is like it has that look to it, maybe. Because, like, I mean, Bob yeah. Oblong is wearing, like, the 
the basic 1950s office worker uniform of like the short sleeves mm-hmm. or I mean sleeves are relative makes that like the assembly line and everything yeah. which is like a little bit old timey it's kind of an anachronism stew oh yeah 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 I'm not sure when it's supposed to be set that's a good question but yeah I'm not yeah. sure either yeah yeah set in a time that never existed when America was the greatest ever <laughs> or whatever yeah <laughs> you know whatever that sentence is yeah <laughs> and ruled it changes from month to month and ruled by a mega polluting ultra corp called globicide man could you imagine <laughs> wild anyway. stuff these animators come up with wild wild stuff ah uh, um yeah final final thoughts dan yeah final thoughts um yeah i'll leave it at it's a very it was a f- very funny show it didn't have um like it's uh it's social message it's economic message it's political message i think were misfired uh they, they were there for their some, hearts in the right place yeah their heart is in the right place but i don't think they could have gotten away with what we what we modern american millennials <laughs> would have wanted out of it like our lofty cartoon standards of rick and morty and bojack horseman <laughs> i honestly i still wouldn't mind like a second season of this just to Same. just to see where else it could go because I feel like I, I wouldn't want that unless like they got had, the voice cast like, back. It was clear like they had a lot more to a lot more to give. Yeah, Will Ferrell I now so. wouldn't do it again. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> want a second season unless it could be voice voice acted by the same people. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think that's probably not going to happen. But. You could just get Billy West um, to do all of it. Gee whiz, Ben, do you say that I'm not good enough for this role? <laughs> my by George, I'll prove him wrong. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show you all. I just had to get my crossbow out of the out of the closet. Out of storage. <laughs> why are you? Why are you? Why are you turning into a tyrannical dictator? Now, what was this lock? Dad, gum it. But I got out the guillotine uh, grease. <laughs> the guillotine grease. If you, if you don't put it in the work, that thing is going to stop halfway through. <laughs> gonna put a kibosh on the whole affair. A kibosh. I uh, mean, I I would love to. I have to like look up everything he says just so I can get my old timey aphorisms down for <laughs> when I go on to your show, Dan. Oh, yeah. please, yeah. Make sure you do your Heavens homework. To Betsy and oh, yeah, I got to do my Betsy. homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh, G. Will. I'm surprised. Did he ever say G. Willikers? Uh, yes. Must have come yeah, up. It must have. He, he says Jiminy a lot. Ah, uh, Jiminy. Just mostly when he's having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. No, he says uh, he says awooga. <laughs> that's true. Because wait, his like early years, he's like a weird like '80s surfer dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ridiculously enough. I. Yeah, I, he's he's definitely the crowning gem of this show. I'm taking Bob Oblong away with it. I'm putting him on my. I'm putting him in my backpack. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting him in a, in a snuggie and just going to take him with me. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Ben, uh, yeah. what are we watching next? Mm. Uh, to, next time, we are going to go a little bit farther back and watch Brave Star. The bravest uh, of stars. I've, I don't know this show very well. Uh, I've heard about it, and I've watched a couple of clips, which are real silly, um, but we haven't done an old show in a while that I'm unfamiliar with, so I'm looking forward to it. Zane, mm-hmm. how, about, how about after day? Uh, after that, um, we will be going that. even further, further back and watching the original Fantasia um, for our movie segment. Uh, we we got a contact with, uh, I believe it's 
sideshow sound theater and they're they're a podcast that looks at uh, movie soundtracks from a very technical perspective and so i thought that they might have a very uh uh unique look at fantasia and allow us to do a movie which is really important and interesting but i don't think we could do normally with our limited knowledge of classical music Yes, That's that is awesome. Sideshow Sound Theater, not to be confused with Sideshow Bob Theater, which is, of course, a one-man show wherein uh, Kelsey Grammer steps Gilbert on a bunch Sullivan. of rakes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, blat me in the face with a rake. <laughs> blat, 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 blat. Uh, and Dan, why don't you tell us about all of your adventures? Okay. Um, well, in if, Dan Land. What, what's going on in Dan be- Land? Before you take power as a masked luchador for Buffalo. Dantasia. Uh, well, as we've already touched upon, I'm half of a new podcast called the Cocktail Party Congress. You can find us. You can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Google Play, you can go to CocktailPartyCongress.com and find our podcast there, and we're having a lot of fun with it, and we hope that you, uh, I hope that you, you grok what we do, uh, we're trying to just have, you know, interesting, honest conversations, and we can navigate them together. Uh, as far as, like, that's as far as, like, my online stuff goes, uh, I guess I can get extra personal and say that, uh, in August, I start law school. I was in, in between, woot woot. yeah, in between my guest spots on your show. I managed to get myself admitted into a law school, so <laughs> I'm super excited to That's do awesome. that. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Um, so it'll eat up three years of my life, and then presumably the rest of my life uh, once I get. Yeah, to that. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is. Um... I don't know if this is uplifting, but uh, I just spent three years of my life getting a degree that I don't know what I'm doing with. Oh, yeah? It's probably not as uh, it's probably not as uplifting as I intended it, but I'm sure <laughs> that your experience will be helpful. I think and so. I'm yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so that's in my future. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it, Ben. You're, you're uplifting enough. <laughs> just don't forget us oblongs when you make it to the top. <laughs> I know. What they really need is a good lawyer. Come back for us. I'm sure that they've got grounds to sue. I feel like they've got like a Bob Odenkirk esque lawyer on their side. Like this is a real sleazeball, hit and run kind of lawyer. Yeah, they got Jimmy McGill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have Goodman. you watched any of that? Uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah, I love that show. Man, I didn't. I didn't know. I I actually only recently watched it with uh with our older brother David. Oh, cool. Uh, I watched through like the first season, and I just got to the second season, and. That was when I left their place, so I haven't watched any more of it lately, but I oh. really like the characters. I like yeah. Saul Goodman more than I ever liked Walter White. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, the, if they... Doing a prequel to Breaking Bad, they picked the correct character to do that in. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Bob I love Odenkirk how they throw Mike amazing... in there, even though it doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> yeah, and Bob Odenkirk is an amazing actor. He just proves it every single time I see him. Uh, and yeah. Um, since it's been uploaded slowly but surely onto Netflix, I've been enjoying the ever-living hell out of that show. Yeah. I recently realized that the, the, the secret to making that actor work, the, the actor who plays Mike, is just to put him next to the chattiest person in the world and yeah. watch him just, like, <laughs> just glare yeah. silently. Yeah, then he's got that, he's got that, like, bloodhound kind of, like, face where he's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's very Herman Munster. Yeah. You gotta... You got it. <laughs> I, I love how yeah. you just showed up five years ago, and now they're putting him in everything because he's clearly about to get into some sort of duel. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got to uh, get him while the getting's good. 
yeah, so I'm right. not sure how my podcasting schedule will hold up under those uh, under those circumstances, but I will I will continue to try to have an output. And you are welcome anytime. Yes. We love having you on. Uh, and if you can send some of uh, some of the intro music for your podcast, we'll use it as the outro for this episode. Ooh, absolutely, absolutely. we'll do. Yeah, and that's that. a, an acute look at the oblongs, right? <laughs> Rhombuses. <laughs> Rhombi. Trapezoids. <laughs> Rumbas. <laughs> Sucking up dirt. Sucking and it cleaning up. up America. Man, we re- we really really crapped out on the finish line on this one. We did. Well, gang, I think we learned a lesson today. <laughs> oh man, is Bob Long just Freddy after like some industrial accident? <laughs> 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 like, exactly as positive and exuberant. <laughs> well, gee, gang, that wasn't a haunted mansion. That was a machete factory. I love it. Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books, Miss Saunders. Men should hold it up in front of them every single day of their lives and say, I'm free to think and to speak. My ancestors couldn't. I can. And my children will. You know, I'm a voter. Aren't you supposed to lie to me and kiss my butt? <laughs> Thank you.